Um, but then they said that if I don't have the surgery, I would probably be dead in a few days. And wow. so I got scheduled for emergency surgery. And the night before my surgery, I passed out a few times um, just trying to go to the bathroom. And um, I lost my vision and I lost um, feeling and control of my legs. So that was obviously kind of my lowest point. <laughs> hey there, you're listening to Virago Pod, a podcast that is dedicated to empowering and improving the physical and mental health of female athletes everywhere. This podcast is brought to you by The Virago Project, a nonprofit organization that helps female athletes balance sports with life. I'm your host, Emily McGee-Zeslowski. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Tracy. Let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Virago Pod. Uh, today, we are interviewing Amanda Peterson, who is a former Ohio State volleyball player and current professional athlete. We're very, very excited to have Amanda come on today. We'll talk about overcoming injuries. We'll talk about her journey with a serious disease, ulcer colitis, and how she was able to overcome that as an athlete. We'll also talk about rehabbing our bodies and our minds and being patient, patient with ourselves. This is a really, really great episode for anyone who is struggling with an injury or illness, and I hope that you enjoy it. Yeah, on this episode, we did talk about some of these other things that aren't just physical uh, ways to rehab. And that's why we wanted and posted on Virago Project about a call for instructors to hold more things like visualization, meditation, yoga, uh, various wellness activities for us. So please reach out to us if you or someone you know kind of specializes in this area because we're looking to add some events to the calendar. Yeah, we're really, really excited to get some events on the calendar to help just bring more mindfulness and awareness um, and connection to the women in our community. Um, but let's go ahead and bring on Amanda to talk about her experience with injuries and illness. And yeah, here we go. All right. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Emily. Hey. So actually, we were talking, Taylor and I, just before this, and I forgot you guys both met at my wedding. Yep. Do oh you remember? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. What was it? Table five? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You were even sitting at the same table and you brought um you brought one of your teammates along. Yes. But I think she was um maybe from France or another country. I can't remember. She had an accent. Uh yeah, from Serbia. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Close. Good times. Yeah. It was yeah. so funny. I was like, I was like describing you and like what you were up to, and then like we pulled up your Instagram and she's like, wait, I think I've met her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you actually have. So, um, well, I'm so glad. Thank you for joining us so much today, Amanda. Um, I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm pumped. Yeah. All right. So first and foremost, I want to hear um, just a little catch up about um, kind of the, the new league you're about to participate in, in the U S as a volleyball player myself, I'm really interested, but I know they're doing it with like a bunch of different sports. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the professional U S league? Yes. I could not be more excited for this. It's going to be huge. They started with softball um, and they started in the end of August this past year. And that went really well. It was super cool. And then we have 
volleyball starting in February, and then they just added lacrosse as well. And they're huge into uh, empowering women, and the league is all about having the players run the league, essentially. So it's very player-driven, and it's a format unlike anything I've ever heard of before. Um, There are no set teams And so um, it's just going to be a pool of 44 players, for volleyball at least. I think softball had maybe 56 players. And each week, the top four players in the league are the captains, and they will choose the teams for the week. And you will practice with your team and then play the other three teams. And then um, you get points based on how many sets you win and if you win the match, and then also how you personally perform. And so then your personal points get added up. And then at the end of the weekend, the captains will then choose the next week's teams. That's so interesting. That's like unprecedented, I feel like, because I'm so used to being on teams and watching teams. And this is yes, this is just so new. How do you feel about that? It's kind of cool, right? You're switching up and meeting a lot of new people. Yeah, I'm super curious to see how it goes. I feel like the whole world, the whole volleyball world at least is is watching to see how this goes. Mm-hmm. I love the volley or the team aspect of volleyball. That's like one of the main reasons why I fell in love with the sport. Um, and so I'm really excited and curious to see how that goes with this new dynamic of kind of competing as an individual, but also with the team. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really interested to see how it goes. Well, I've watched or I followed them once you did that little Instagram live takeover for their page. So I will tag them in our description. So if you are looking to support um, you know, professional sports in the U.S., make sure you check out that link. Give them a follow um, and, and, and check it out. And follow, that's in February. Is that right, Amanda, when it started? Right. Yep. Yep. It's going to be really good. There's a bunch of uh, girls who have not only played in the Olympics, but medaled in the Olympics and a lot of big names. So it's, it's going to be really huge. Yeah, it seems like they're doing it right and giving it, it the deten- attention it deserves. So I'm really excited yes. to see, see how this goes. Yeah, me too. Okay, so on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about some firsthand experiences on overcoming an injury. Uh, so this can be as small as a sprained ankle or something that was completely life-changing, um, like you, Amanda, experienced. Can you give us a brief overview of your um, career and then tell us a little more about what happened to you in 2014? Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up outside of Chicago. Um, Emily and I actually played together in high school. Uh, we played club together. And then um, I went to Ohio State, where I played for four years, from 2009 to 2012. And then I had a fifth year for school um, as an engineering major. It's pretty common to uh, study for five years instead of for four. And then when I graduated, I had already started to get sick. Um, but I, the doctors didn't know what was going on, and they just kind of pushed it under the rug for a little bit. And... I had signed a contract to go play in France, but then I got really, really sick. Like I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk, um, I was passing out, and um, I finally got diagnosed correctly um, in July of 2014, I believe, with ulcerative colitis. And if you don't know what ulcerative colitis is, it is um, a form of IBD where basically your body decides that it doesn't want the large intestine anymore. And so it just kind of starts to 
disintegrate from the inside out. And that's obviously not great. And I went on all the medication, did the whole thing, but nothing was working. And I just, I kept on going downhill um, until I was put into the hospital and told that I, I would probably need surgery. And so I had to back out of my contract, unfortunately. And it got to the point where the night before um, surgery, they initially said that they weren't going to do surgery because I needed to get healthier. But then they said that if I don't have the surgery, surgery, I would probably be dead in a few days. And wow. so I got scheduled for emergency surgery. And the night before my surgery, I passed out a few times um, just trying to go to the bathroom. And um, I lost my vision and I lost feeling and control of my legs. So that was obviously kind of my lowest point. <laughs> and so I had the surgery and the second I woke up, I think the first thing that I said was, I feel so good. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I hadn't realized how much pain I had been in and like kind of just overlooking out of necessity for, for months um, mm -hmm. until I woke up without the pain. And, and so that was just the first kind of emergency surgery to remove my large intestine. And then I had two subsequent surgeries over the next year to uh, kind of put everything back together so that my small intestine would kind of pick up the job of the large intestine. So that was that. <laughs> and so I, I can, so I'm not trying to compare the two, but I had my wisdom teeth out and I lost like, you know, 10 pounds just <laughs> over a week. And, and it was like hard to like, while I was a collegiate athlete and it was like hard to get back in the, the rhythm of just feeling so weak. So, I mean, obviously this could have easily, easily been a career ending um, a life event for you, but instead you, you're kind of faced with the decision of like, all right, my contract in France fell through, like, because of this, like, how did you decide, okay, should I call it and, you know, I have an engineering degree and go there or should I continue to play? How, how did you make that decision? Um, to be completely honest with you, I just took it day by day because I had absolutely no guarantee that I would ever be able to play volleyball again. I mean, I, my biggest accomplishment for the weeks following my surgery was that I walked to the end of the driveway and back. Like um, wow. I was, <laughs> I was definitely not thinking about, I need to get back to playing professional volleyball. I was just focused on doing the best I could each day and, and getting back to healthy because I, I want to be healthy. I enjoy being active and um, yeah. So every day I just kind of did my best to listen to my body and, and get a little bit better each day. And then, I don't know, maybe six months after my last surgery, I started to get to the point where I could actually kind of like mess around and play volleyball again. And I, I realized I have to, I have to go for it. I, I just can't go on without at least trying. I feel like it's, as athletes, we have this tendency and maybe you felt this before you got sick, but we have this tendency to think that we are invincible. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. if anyone else can relate to that. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I know we get injured sometimes. I fortunately was never terribly injured until after my career. And it wasn't until I fractured my knee. I was like, Oh my gosh, like 
my body can break. Like my body isn't this invincible thing that I thought it was when I was younger. And I'm just wondering, Amanda, how you dealt with that realization whenever, you know, you got um, diagnosed with your illness and kind of what impact it, it had on you in the moment and then also in the future when you were returning to sport? Yeah, it was a huge growing period for me. Um, before, like in college and, and everything, I was always the athlete that as soon as I would get hurt, like if I would land on somebody's foot and would roll my ankle, I'd be like, I got to get back to, to playing as soon as I can. And I'd be in the training room, like immediately doing rehab exercises. and like, no, I can do this. Um, but you know, my body forced me to take a second to reevaluate everything where I couldn't just keep fighting, fighting, fighting. I had to listen to my body at that point. And I learned so much from that experience and especially, you know, respecting what my body is telling me and, and realizing that sometimes the best way that you can add value is to take a second and recover. Mm. And, and that was huge for me was the idea of not rushing back after an injury and waiting until you're ready. Because if you show up and you're rushing things, you know, you might show up at 70% and then you will be at 70%, maybe a little bit more than that until your body is actually done healing, which you'll prolong right. by re-injuring everything. And so in a lot of situations, I've learned it's better to just wait and come back earlier or come back a little bit later, but be at 100% earlier. Yeah, that's really mature of you. I feel like it's so easy to get impatient. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Preaching to the choir over here. <laughs> yeah, I Taylor knows because so Taylor was a freshman when I was a senior and my senior year, I had a, a pretty serious back injury, some bulging and herniated discs. And so I just kind of played on this um, combination of a steroid, a muscle relaxer and an anti-inflammatory um, oh medicine. Yeah, it was it was really bad. And I mean, the good part was it made it really easy to retire like I was like all right there's you know no no professional volleyball for me this is my last year I can get through this year but since it was my last year I did not want to sit out I did not want to um you know let my team down I didn't want to have any regrets so I just kept pushing it um and I remember like sitting um at home that year watching the final four and there was like a girl in Texas who like she literally didn't play the whole season except for games and just like rested and did rehab and recovery. And I'm like, I wonder, like, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if I would have been a little more of an advocate for myself. Like my teammates saw me working hard. It's mm-hmm. not like they thought anything, they didn't think I wanted to sit out. Like they could tell I was in pain. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, um, I hope that it's becoming a little bit better. Um, but I think for yeah. so long, we've had this idea in our head that unless you're go, 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 go all the time that you're not getting better. And I think especially with all the, you know, information and research coming out about visualization and everything that you can do for different facets of your game, I think that there's a huge potential to realize that you can be improving and adding so much more to your game 
in every situation. Like it's, it's not just, I have to be on the court, even if I'm hurting, because that's the only way that I can show my team that I care that I'm trying to get better. And that's, it's just not the case. And, and I hope that as time goes on, more coaches are realizing that and actually wanting that from their, from their players, because I think a lot of times when coaches say like, Oh, do you need to sit out? It's with this side meaning of like, Oh, are you being weak? And nobody wants to say like, yes, I need to sit out because they don't want to say, yes, I'm weak. They want to, you know, maybe they want to sit out because instead of the idea of because I'm weak, it's because I want to get better and because I want to help the team in the most impactful way possible for our long-term success. The shift in mindset, I think is, you know, definitely a conversation starting at youth sports that, you know, really has to, because it's, it's easy to like diminish it. And I Mm -hmm. think it's even like, I, you know, I don't, I don't talk about it that, I mean, I feel like I was, I talk about it on almost every podcast, how I recently gave birth, but there's actually studies shown that like in the African-American community, the death rates of mothers are so much higher because doctors mm. aren't taking these females seriously, um, specifically, specifically African-American women, because they think they're being dramatic or like lying about these mm. feelings. And then they're actually saying these symptoms that could be, um, that, that are, are and become life-threatening that they aren't taking it seriously. So I think in all areas of the life, sometimes, unfortunately, um, women, especially minorities, aren't always taken seriously. And then they feel like they can't really speak up because they aren't believed when they do. So I think just changing the mindset and the conversation around, if you are in pain, that is not a weakness. That That is a biological signal to your mind telling you, you need to stop doing something and or something's not right here. So I think changing that conversation's um, really important. I think the first time I went to the to the doctor for my issues um, was in January of 2014. And I just kind of, I, I told them what was going on and it was a problem. And they were just like, oh, it's probably because you're not eating right. And they, they were downplaying everything. And after having, um, I started a, a blog to talk about my um, journey with ulcerative colitis and professional sports and traveling and things like that and connected with a lot of people who have had uh, similar situations where the doctors don't believe them. The doctors just Mm -hmm. keep telling them, oh, it's all in your head or it's probably just because you're not eating enough fiber or, you know, just telling them basically that their pain and their experiences aren't valid. And that's something that I I definitely want to change with my blog and with talking about um, ulcerative colitis in general is just telling people that their pain is valid and normal. It's not, you know, it's not this secret thing to be embarrassed. It's a normal health thing. (laughs) And so while my large intestine is gone and so the main part of it is, is gone, yeah, before I joined this nonprofit, I was with the Rome Foundation who f- focuses on functional GI disorders. And mm. it's it's crazy, the functional space and, and how much education, like one of their thing is just physician education, one of their main mm. things, just because they don't even realize they do all these tests. And they're like, just because it has something doesn't show up on the x-ray doesn't mean that, you know, something's not there. So there's so much... Um, in this functional space and, and general diagnosis space with doctors that physicians that I think, you know, it's really important to talk about. Um, and I was actually when I, a slight pivot, but I was thinking about one of my teammates, Meg, if you're listening, hi, Meg, she tore her ACL when she, and you guys are all volleyball players. So I, I don't even remember what other teams called it, but we called it a B. It was like 
when the middle hitter runs like a little far away and like cuts back uh, a pretty quick attack and she tore her ACL. And then like when she came back, she worked really hard, but then she had like really, I remember her telling me like, it took a while for her to really be able to go back to run that same route because like it was just in her head and she kind of had mm-hmm. this like mental block. So have you had any like fears of, I, I honestly, please educate me. I'm not sure if there's much fear of like something, another issue coming from your diagnosis or surgery, or, or if there's another thing that could happen that you find yourself kind of worrying about these unknown outcomes or worrying about something bad happening again? And if so, how do you kind of overcome those thoughts? Yeah, good question. So ulcerative colitis is something that's actually not technically curable. Um, And so it it attacks the large intestine mainly, but there are a ton of other symptoms that go with it as like like skin problems and general inflammation and things like that. I definitely still have to pay attention to what I'm eating, when I'm eating, how quickly I'm eating. That's the biggest thing. Um, And for a while, it was definitely causing some fear, like definitely a thing where I was like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. But, you know, as time goes on, you just kind of realize it's just about being smart and being aware. And so it's, it's not something to be feared. It's just something to be aware of. And so especially things like coming back from an ACL tear, there are certain things that are more likely to cause re-injury. But as you're going through your physical therapy and your rehab, you're training those things. You're, you're making sure that those things can't happen again. And so building the trust in that, as well as just, you know, taking it one step at a time and giving yourself a little bit of grace that, of course, you're going to be, of course, it's going to be in your head. It was a traumatic experience. You're literally dealing with trauma by redoing the thing that you got injured doing. And, and so hopefully just stepping away from yourself a little bit and not seeing it from inside your head, but seeing it from outside of your head of just this is, this is what it is and it's okay. And we're, we're making progress. <laughs> There's patience again, <laughs> patience with yourself, patience with your body and you're doing well so far. So that's promising for any other athletes who are listening who have had ulcer colitis or um, experienced something similar. Yeah. And on that note, thinking that we all have 10 plus years of playing elite sports. So let's try to pass on some of our experiences, uh, both mental and physical tips that people can do. Um, Because I know for I'm thinking I am taking my health so much more seriously now. Like we have in our house, we have a foam roller that we do every like we like have our foam rolling with our morning coffee. And I'm like, why was I not foam rolling every day when I was an elite (laughs) athlete? Like I now am icing my back every day. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have iced my back or my shoulders and my knees when I was a youth sport. So like, it's all the things like, you know, these good habits that I have now, I wish I would have started them much earlier. So that's my takeaway for anyone listening. Like it's never too early to start icing your body and foam rolling and doing your stretches. Um, Do you guys have any other takeaways or big advice that you've learned um, to try to, you know, stretch your health as long as possible? Great question. I would say that one of the biggest things um, is actually mindfulness and meditation and just getting really aware and in touch with your body. Um, And, you know, they have guided meditations for body scans. Um, 
those are huge. If you want to get better physically, um, getting mindful about your body and just feeling it, feeling every part of your body um, is huge. And have you done this? Do you have an example? Yeah, um, I actually have a few favorite um, body scan guided meditations if you guys wanted to, to link them. Um, but basically what it is, is you just, you sit or lie down, um, and you start literally at the top of your head or the tips of your toes. And you just kind of go through every single part of your body and you just bring awareness to how it feels with zero judgment, not, you know, like, Oh, my shoulder hurts. What's wrong with me? This is, Oh man, why does my whole shoulder hurt? You know, like it's, it's literally just building awareness and just feeling it and being like, Oh, okay, that's that. And that's that. Um, and noticing just how you feel every day or after certain exercises or after a stressful day, uh, learning what, how your body reacts to different things. Um, and, and from a place of non-judgment, that's huge. That's been honestly one of the biggest life-changing things, um, for me has been, just becoming aware of my body in a non-judgmental way. Yeah, I feel like that's so, so huge. I, I actually love body scan meditations, Yeah, Amanda. And uh, we, the Virago Project posted about what about it a few months back, um, just as a, as a use for um, stress mm -hmm. reduction, because there's something about it that's just so calming too, when you're just scanning your body and being still taking time to just connect muscle to mind. Um, so I love that. Those are good. I would say for me, um, definitely the patience thing that we touched on earlier, really just understanding, okay, my body is not invincible. And when it does, you know, it, when it doesn't work the way that I want it to, um, just taking things slowly. So for example, right now, I have an overpronated ankle. Um, this is very frustrating for me because at one point in my life, I was very strong and everything in my body was aligned correctly. And now because I'm not lifting weights every day, especially with COVID going on, not doing as many strength and conditioning exercises, um, things are kind of getting out of alignment. So yeah, right now, um, I think... Well, two years ago, I would have been very upset by this and would have just jumped on it like so quickly and would have been like, okay, I got to fix this right now. And, you know, today it's just like, all right, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to look up how to like uh, rehab an overpronated ankle. I'm going to do these exercises three times a week um, and I'm going to do some more yoga and balancing exercises and that's it. Yeah, totally, Taylor. That also really speaks to the level of self-responsibility you have and that you kind of need to not fall behind in your health. So many things when it comes to injury that you can't, I, I, I can't stop my disc from being herniated right now. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take that. Um, those two things that you guys both said are things that while you can't always control your practice schedule or how long that specific injury takes, it's a really great takeaway of to put at least a little aspect back in your control. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And just focus. Um, one of the other big things is where you put your focus yeah. will grow. 
And so if you're focused on what you can't do because mm -hmm. of your injury and what you, what's hurting, what's bad, you know, that's what's going to grow, at least in your mind. And that will become your reality is all of the things that you can't do. And so if you want to improve things, you need to focus or I will offer you the choice to focus on what you can do and what you're getting better at and, and what doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. And I also feel like it's so easy to focus on like negative things too. Like, especially if you're in college, like, oh, I can't, you know, play with my teammates on the, on the court or on the field or in the pool, or, you know, I can't mm -hmm. travel anymore, but, you know, focusing more on like, okay, where can I connect with my teammates and um, where can I continue to bond and how can I serve even though I'm not playing right now? Yeah, I agree. And to add to that, not just connecting with your teammates, but with your coaches too. And I found, I always had a really good relationship with my coaches. I was lucky and I really valued. So if there's any coaches listening, I really valued when coaches would actively check in on me. Like don't have me come to you to say, I'm not feeling well today. It really meant a lot when one of my coaches, it could be an assistant or an athletic trainer would come up to me and do a proactive, like, Hey, you know, one to 10, help me get a feel on how you're feeling today. Cause it kind of gives me you know, I don't want to complain and I don't want to be negative and it's easy to, to focus on that. But when you give me like just a quick check-in, um, that really made me feel heard and empowered to kind of take a little more narrative or if I needed an extra time or then coach would randomly pull me out of a few drills when he's like, I know today's not a good day for her. So um, I think that was, that's a good takeaway for any coaches listening don't be afraid to create that atmosphere that there's a trust yeah. and open line of communication during injuries. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to add to any current for, it doesn't have to, I know this was all about injuries and stuff like that, but is there anything else you want to add to any of the Virag? I know you, you like and share so many of our posts, which I really appreciate. Um, if there's anything you want to, you want to talk about on, you know, one of the missions of Virago project, please feel free to share. Yeah. I think um, prioritizing your mental health, um, is, is huge, especially when you have an injury. Um, it's really easy to get depressed and to have anxiety and things like that pop up when you do have an injury. And um, I know that like that's not helpful, right? Like that's not going to help you heal um, when you're when you're stressed. Cortisol is released and your body doesn't heal as well. So really prioritizing your mental health when you're injured in addition to all the time, but um, especially when you're injured is really important. And, you know, if there's somebody that you can talk to, um, that's huge. Um, but really just making sure that you're taking the time. So like if you're sitting out of practice, for example, and you have these extra two hours that your team is practicing, but you're not practicing, spend a little bit of that time focusing on your mental health and doing something positive for yourself. Um, it's, it's really, really huge. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. There's, there's, there's needs to be more, you know, especially Good if you advice. guys can find like a sports psychologist, we, we had one sometimes available to us and other athletes on our podcast have, have mentioned it. Um, it's, it's completely fine to, to get help, to ask for help. Um, and they can point you into a resource or a coach can help point you into a resource. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Um, if you're feeling like you're struggling, you don't have to do that alone. Um, so definitely speak up. Yeah. And, and finding the right one too. you know, if you have 
talked with a sports psychologist or a psychologist or a therapist or a life coach or anything, if you've talked with one area of um, psychology in general, that's not how every area is. That's not how every doctor is. Everybody's different. And so everybody needs to find the right fit for them in the, in the right situation. Right. So, I mean, we had a sports psychologist in college um, who was awesome. Um, but also I've been in some life coaching stuff in the past couple of years that has taken my game to absolutely the next level um, through life coaching stuff and, and talking to different therapists and things like that for, for totally different things. Um, make sure that you're really like, it, it's huge. It's really important. And it's just like going to a doctor when something's bothering you. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you. I think that, you know, you have a very um, extreme case of injury that you had to overcome, <laughs> but I think your takeaways uh, that we all talked about here are ones that you can take from any level of injury, any level of, um, you know, physical or even mental injury. Like, don't be afraid to speak up and say you need a mental health day to one of your coaches. Like, it's, I think it's very transferable and the way you've been able to overcome it and succeed and persevere is really admirable, Amanda. And, you know, you're my friend, teammate, <laughs> lifelong friend, but I am really proud of you, Amanda. So thank oh, you so thank much for joining you. us and thanks for sharing your story with, with all the Virago um, listeners here. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I really hope that anybody can get um, some help from this. And if anybody wants to reach out, please feel free. We'll tag your socials in the description along with your um, blog because I, I read it and I think it's really applicable that a lot of people will enjoy it. So thank you so much, Amanda. Um, thank you. We will talk to you with you soon. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye. Bye, Amanda. All right. This is such a great topic and I'm really excited since I know like our, our schedule and lineup coming up and we have some interviews with PTs and collegiate coaches. So I'm really excited to see how this conversation goes through the different lenses. Yeah, definitely. I thought Amanda just gave so much insight. And I know that with injuries, it's so easy to become impatient and, you know, just try to rush through the process of healing. But she is just such a good example of, you know, taking it day by day, um, task by task. And, you know, I'm just so proud of her for getting back out there after everything she's been through. So I hope that you found some value in listening to that, especially if you're dealing with an injury or illness right now. Um, but yeah, Totally. Um, and actually, after we finished talking, Amanda asked me to share two things. Um, if you have a digestive disease, one, you aren't gross. It's completely normal. Um, and two, you're not alone. Amanda felt really isolated, but the more she's talked about her experiences, she's been shocked with how many people suffer silently. And she encourages you to check out her blog or shoot her a message if this is something that resonated with you and you're looking for a little extra support. Wow. Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm so glad she reached out to you to share those two extra points. Um, you know, I feel like that goes with so many um, injuries, seen and unseen, like a lot of people, women are suffering in silence. So yes, definitely check out her blog. I went way, way back into her blog just before this episode and uh, was able to see some of her first posts. And it really is cool how she documented everything. Okay, well, that is it for today. And we will see you all next week on Virago Pod. Thanks so much. Bye.